0: God is good. We've been going through a series here at Living Hope Family Church on uh, who we are and what we believe, and uh, our uh, we are affiliated with, uh, first of all, I want to say welcome to everybody this morning. Glad you're here. I have somebody to talk to besides my wife and Pastor Wayne. Praise God. But we are uh, affiliated with Praise Chapel uh, International uh, Christian Fellowship. And uh, one of their 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 motto or the mission statement, if you will, and our mission statement, which we have have adopted, or adopted is evangelize, equip, and empower. And today I am going to be speaking about empowered. Ungawa. When I was a little boy, we watched Tarzan movies on TV, and the natives went, Ungawa, Ungawa, we've got the power. I want you to know. That God has got power available for you and I. Ungawa, we've got the power. The enemy's been defeated. Can you say amen? A lot of people give him way too much credit. But he has been defeated. And if you have your Bibles with you, open with me to Matthew chapter 28. That last chapter in the book of Matthew. This is after the resurrection. Jesus got all everybody together. And uh in verse eighteen, Jesus came and spoke to them. Oops, sorry.
1: Who we are? We are empowered. Uh, let's see, does it work? Okay, well, if it's not up there and you have your Bibles or your phone, you can read it. Jesus said,
0: came and spoke to them, his disciples, those that believed. Can you imagine? Think about this. Jesus was dead, and he came back to life. And here he is, standing before his disciples. Hi, guys. You think they would be just, oh, wow, it's Jesus. What would you... Experience if someone you loved came back to life. Can you imagine what's in their hearts? Just imagine this. And Here's Jesus standing before them. He says, guys, girls, everybody, all you guys, listen up. All authority has been given to me in heaven
1: and on earth. Jesus is saying, I've got the power. So I want to look at, in the New in
0: the King James, it says, uses the word power. All power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I have a New King James. All authority. This uh, word is a Greek word. How many know the New Testament was written in Greek? Anybody? There's one, two, three. Okay, the New Testament was written in Greek because Alexander the Great conquered the known world of his day. This word. Power is the Greek word exousia. How many know? Uh, ever hear that word? This this person exudes confidence. Somebody walks in the room. He he has he's got this essence about him, so to speak. I heard a story of about a guy that uh, uh, they sent him back east to fix a problem, and uh, he's they, the guy was about four hundred pounds. So when Mr. 400 pounds came in the room, everybody noticed and paid attention because you don't want to mess with Mr. 400 pounds. So this is the word exousia, power. According to Strong's, uh, ex, no, Strong's concordance, exhaustive concordance, it means the sense of ability. He can do whatever he wants. This is Jesus we're talking about here now, though, he can do anything he wants. He's got privilege. It's a force that he has. It's not the force that they have in Star Wars where they can, you know, use their powers. And This is genuine power. This is genuine force. This is an ability to get stuff done. It's a capacity. Um, there's a lot of buzzwords in business today. I uh, subscribe to several magazines so I can try and understand. Uh, uh, I'm in a leadership position where I'm at. I'm trying to understand how to influence people and lead them. And one of the buzzwords is, uh, you know, what's our core competency as a as a as a company? You know, we want to have an advantage over the competition. So, what's our core competency? Jesus has got total competency. Can you say Amen? He can do whatever he wants. It also means freedom or mastery. And as a side, it also means uh, a a magistrate. It also means a superhuman. How many know Superman don't have anything on Jesus? Superman could fly through the air, but eventually Superman died. He had a weakness. He had kryptonite. Jesus doesn't have any kryptonite bugging him. It also denotes a potentate. Anybody ever hear of the word a potentate? They don't use that very much anymore in government, but a potentate is someone who commands attention. He commands people or she, whoever the potentate is, whatever, this is a position of authority and dominion. What that person says goes, no matter what. No, as my mom used
1: to say, no ifs, ands, or buts.
0: Praise God. It's also a token of control. In some tribes in Africa, uh, whoever's got the stick, in some tribes here in the United States, whoever got the stick, or in, uh, in uh, Australia, whoever's got the stick does the talking. And no interrupting until you get the stick. The token of authority. People are supposed to pay attention and not interrupt. <clears throat> it also means delegated influence. Think about that for a second. Jesus said he has the authority, he has the power, but it's also delegated. Since the Father was in heaven and Jesus was on earth, Jesus had the delegated authority and the freedom to do whatever he wanted. But as you know, if you read the Gospels, Jesus did what the Father does. So, but Jesus is also a separate uh, and independent while he was here on earth. Uh, so to speak, but not. Let's not get into too much theological bandering of words here. But Jesus had authority,
1: and he still does. It also means jurisdiction, uh, liberty, and strength. When I was uh,
0: smaller and in, in school, I was always one of the smallest kids in my class. I always wanted to be six foot five and 285 pounds of lean muscle. So one day, out on the job, uh, after Thanksgiving, we had been visiting, and I watched the strongman competition on TV. Went back to work, and I picked up this 16-foot-long, uh, 20-inch uh, or 18-inch uh, plywood and 2x4 form. And I can carry this. It was kind of hard. <laughs> Got a hernia from it. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. I didn't have the strength. And uh, (laughs) it was just me and another guy, he was the foreman, he said, don't hurt yourself. And I thought, well, I'm not hurt. And next thing you know, I'm hurt. (laughs) Long story short, I didn't have strength. But Jesus has strength, and what I'm saying is that it's available to us. In Vine's expository of Greek New Testament words, it's used of God. It is absolute and unrestricted. My wife and I subscribe to and get newsletters from Voice of the Martyrs. There's lots of countries that are restricted to the gospel. You cannot go in there and make converts. They'll kill you. But God is not restricted. So guess what? I was amazed to see this. Over in Egypt, nobody's got cable. Everybody's got satellite dishes all over the place on their houses. So guess how the gospel can get in there? The Iranian government is adamantly opposed to anything like that. So whenever they find some Christians who's got satellites, they'll destroy the satellites as if, oh, we destroyed the satellites. Now God can't come in here. Jesus is not coming in here. Ha ha! of they know that Jesus is unstoppable. Praise God. In John chapter 5, Jesus healed the guy who had sick for 38 years. He's at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus comes up and says, hey, do you want to get healed? And instead of the guy saying, yeah, I do. Sure, I'd love to get healed. I've been like this for 38 years. The guy says, well, you know, every time the the water gets stirred up and this miraculous power is available, somebody gets in there before me. So what does Jesus do? He says, pick up your bed and walk. Guy picks up his bed and walks, and it's a Sabbath. Oh, my God, he's carrying. Who told you to carry a bed on a Sabbath? You're breaking the law. Some guy told me to just get up. I've. Can you imagine? I can, this just blows my mind. Here's the guy, the, the religious police come over. Hey, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, really? Watch me. I just, I've been laying there for 38 years, and you're going to try to stop me, huh? Good luck with that. And instead of asking, you know, who was it that healed you, the religious police say, Who told you to do break the law? It's just they don't even understand the guy got a miracle, instantaneous miracle, and they're worried because he's carrying his bed. <laughs> you guys missed the boat. There's power available. This guy told me to take up my bed, and I get up after laying there for 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years. That's the power that Jesus has, and I'm telling you, it's available to us. So I was doing some studying, and uh, there's a similar story in Matthew chapter 9 of a paralyzed man who gets healed. Jesus is in the house. These guys bring their friend, four guys, they had to carry the guy on a bed because he can't walk. Instead of giving him a piggyback ride or something and trying to squeeze in, carry him on a bed. Can't get in the house. They go on the roof of the house, and they tear the guy's roof off. Hey, what are you guys doing? do we'll fix it. And they lower the guy down in front of Jesus. And Jesus sees their faith. And he says the most amazing thing that blows the religious police's mind again. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, who is this that forgives sins? Only God can forgive sins. Never mind, the guy gets up off his bed and he's been paralyzed and he starts walking. Oh, that's illegal. <laughs> Anybody know who Smith Wigglesworth was? He... Uh, that Actually, if you can look it up on uh, YouTube, um, <clears throat> there's a story that he, somebody brought a dead baby and he kicked the baby across the stage and the baby came back to life. The other guy come up to get healed from stomach cancer and he punched the guy in the stomach and the guy got healed. He went to Germany to uh, have a healing crusade over there and he got arrested and kicked out of the country, I believe it was Germany, for practicing medicine without a license. Never mind people are getting miraculously healed. Oh, that's illegal. You're not allowed to heal anybody here. Sorry. This is a mindset
1: of some people in any event. Matthew chapter 9, immediately after that guy getting healed,
0: Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector. He was the IRS guy in his day. People despised him and hate him. They, He's a traitor to their country.
1: And who reaches out to touch him? God himself. Hey, dude, I know that people don't like you. But guess what? I'm going to go have dinner at your house. Let's have a party.
0: And, of course, this upsets the religious police, too. How can you have a party with that type of person? That's the kind of people Jesus
1: hangs out with. Sinners who love him back because he first loved us. So then in
0: chapter 4, or chapter 9, verse 10, Jesus says this story. He says, you know, they criticize him. How come you don't fast like uh, us religious police guys do? "Eh, The bridegroom's still here. Why is he going to fast when the bridegroom's here? And then he says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins because the old wineskins can't handle it. And he's indicating what he told Nicodemus, that you have to be born again. Get the spirit of God in you, and you get a new spirit, because the old man is dead. On the way from there, uh, there's a, a guy, uh, one of the rulers comes up and says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. Come though she's dead already, come and lay your hands on her. And this guy's got confidence. Lay your hands on her, and she'll come back to life. Interesting thing is the daughter was about eleven years old. And as they're going, the crowds following, the woman with the issue of blood comes up and touches the hem of Jesus' garment and immediately gets healed. Guess how long she had that issue of blood? Eleven years. What a coincidence. I think Jesus knows what he's doing. Can you say amen? He goes there, and he the little girl, he raises her back to life. I can just picture the Joy it's probably their only daughter. And he raises her back to life. It's an awful thing I've heard. It's never happened to me, but I've heard it's an awful thing when parents have to bury their children. My dad told me that when my dad's passed away now, but when my brother Andrew uh, committed suicide, that we had the funeral and everything, and my dad had one of my brothers take him to the grave site. Uh, a couple of days later, and my dad told me, I
1: cried like a baby. I did too. But I know that I'll see him again because Jesus rose from the dead.
0: Can you imagine the joy of this mom and dad? Their 11-year-old daughter is back to life. Praise God. Matthew chapter 9 is full of stuff. Two blind men are healed on the way uh, out of town. And then in chapter nine, all kinds of stuff happens. A mute demon gets cast out. This guy begins to speak, and the people glorify God. And then Jesus goes through all the cities and villages teaching and preaching in verse 35 through 38 of chapter 9, healing every sickness and every disease, putting the pharmacies out of business, putting the doctors out of business, putting uh, you know physical therapists out of business. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine the health insurance industry in this country going bankrupt because Jesus is healing everybody? All right, we don't need these doctors no more. During the uh, Azusa revival in uh, the early 1900s, there's reports that uh, some of the people that prayed, there was young people, teenagers and young adults that praying for people. God was moving miraculously. There's reports of people having teeth grow back into their mouths. Whenever someone got prayed for that was in a wheelchair, they said, oh, you have to take the footstands up, put them up, and put the person's feet on the ground. If they didn't do that, for some strange reason, the people wouldn't get healed. All kinds of stuff happened. The building's gone, but there's a plaque up on the uh, signpost there on the. power pole. And it specifically says that this is the cradle of the modern, worldwide, fast-growing Pentecostal movement. And I thought, what an interesting choice of words. Didn't say it's the birthplace. Said it was the cradle. Because what happens in the cradle? The baby gets nurtured, the baby grows up, and the baby goes out on their own and grows up and makes their mark on the earth. Immediately after this, Jesus tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, pray that God raises up workers and laborers. Pray that God does something powerful in these, the last days. How many know it's been the last days since Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven? We are in the last days. And if you look at what's going on in the world, I think it's getting closer and closer. Can you imagine Jesus, it says in the the Old Testament, every eye will see him. There's a report that says that there are more mobile devices on the planet Earth than there are human beings. So with all these satellites and stuff and and the Internet, people are going to be able to see stuff all around the world. Just amazing. You've got cryptocurrency. You've got artificial intelligence. You've got self-driving vehicles. It's going to put truck drivers out of business. You're going to be able to have your car drive you to work. And then while you're at work, your car is going to be able to Uber people all over the place. You will not even need a driver. People can borrow your car and rent your car from you while you're at work. And then your car will come and pick you up after work. It's like, these are getting really weird. I remember my dad. He was an accountant. Back in the 70s, he told me, in the future, books are going to be too expensive because paper is going to skyrocket in price and books will be rented on a computer. My dad was not a prophet, but he was a smart man. (laughs) That's amazing. That's what's happening, Dad. Oh, wow. You were right. How many like to be right? (laughs) Praise God. So Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You are empowered. Go therefore and make disciples
1: of all the nations. Excuse me. So why are we empowered? What is it about being empowered? What are we supposed to do? Make
0: disciples. So I thought up a few points here. How do you make disciples? John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, if, a two little letter word, if, that means so much, so much hinges on if. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. A disciple is simply a learner or a student. So how do we make disciples? Disciples. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, while Jesus is asking or telling them to go out and uh, make disciples because the harvest is plentiful, he said, Freely you have received, freely give. How do you make a disciple? First step, be one yourself. You have to be a disciple, and a disciple is simply a learner, someone that studies. In the Rames New Testament, Uh, Translation, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says these words, Carefully study to present thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Another uh, translation says rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's the picture of, uh, I work in construction, it's a picture of a carpenter. He's got a full sheet of plywood, and he wants to make a cabinet. He has to make careful cuts. We have a phrase or a saying that we try and instill in all the carpenters, measure twice, cut once. Because if you measure once, and your measurement's not correct, and you cut, then you have to pay. (laughs) Measure twice, cut once. Rightly handling, rightly dividing the word of truth. Back up just for a moment. John chapter 1, verse 12, in Matthew 10 8, he says, Freely you have received, freely give. Did we get? Oh, we do.
1: So we're on verse 19. Freely you have received, freely give. John chapter 1, verse 12. As many
0: as receive him, that's Jesus, to them, Jesus gives the exousia, the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Adoniram Judson was the first missionary from the United States of America to go to any foreign country. It was the year 1813, right after the War of 1812. He went to the nation of Burma, which is now modern-day Myanmar. He labored there for six years before he won the first convert. The same happened in Hawaii. The the missionaries that went to Hawaii labored for years before they actually got a convert. And the person that uh, Adoniram Judson, uh, he went with uh, two other missionary families. And uh, the the native uh, Burmese guy that finally got saved after six years, he came to understand. And this is the gospel, the good news. He came to understand that he was a sinner before God. And he deserved to be punished for his sins. But he trusted in the merits of Jesus. That Jesus paid the full price for all of his sins. And he put his trust and faith in that. And he got saved. As many as received Jesus, Jesus gives the power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who he is and what he's done for us. So we, we, be, we become a disciple. We study, and then do something with it. Uh, Matthew chapter ten verse one. Jesus, and when he sent out the disciples, he gave them power. That's that word exousia over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal some kinds of sickness and some kinds of diseases. He
1: said he gave them power to heal all kinds of sickness, all kinds of diseases. How do we get that power? Ask. Try. It's not a whole lot, you know, it's
0: not rocket science. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Does it work every time? It should. But uh, in my experience, it doesn't work every time. But when it does, praise God. We have a, a young man who's an apprentice carpenter, and uh, my wife and I went to the hospital to pray for his little boy when he was born. This is five years ago or so. He was born; his stomach was outside of his body. They did surgery; they put it in. But he, t- the doctors told my this young man that for the rest of his life, your little boy's going to have problems with digestion. We went and prayed. I was carpooling with him, and uh, he said, yeah, would you come and pray? He wasn't even a believer at the time. His wife was. And uh, so we went and prayed, laid hands on his little baby, and he's so excited. Uh, he, he, uh, I, I met up with him again a couple of years ago. Oh, I remember you. You came and prayed for my little boy, and he has no digestive problems whatsoever. All he has is a scar on his stomach. I said, praise God. So we had a a Labor Day picnic here in Tucson, and he brought his little boy, and he said, hey, look at this. Here's my son that Joe prayed for, and oh, he's got us a scar. Check it out. God gets the glory because it wasn't me. It was God who touched him. It was Jesus who paid the price for that healing. All I did was obey the urging of God. Praise God. And that's for every believer. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let God work through you because it's not us, it's Him. Praise God. That wasn't in my notes, so praise God. Hallelujah. The rest of chapter 10, you can read it. It has instructions and uh, what you can expect as you go about God's business.
1: Praise God. Chapter 4 of John's Gospel. Uh, John 4, put that one up. Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. She's an outcast. And uh know the story? She gets saved, basically. She goes and tells the whole city. They all come out. And, uh,
0: and they say, you know what? We don't believe because of what you said now. We've heard them ourselves. So I have on my evangelism t-shirt this morning, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Some of the older folks know who the band was, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. But this, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, is about Jesus' blood, Jesus' sweat, and His tears. And I'll never forget the first time I wore it, Kathy and I went to Sam's Club. And this, oh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, I remember them. And I said, oh, this is about Jesus. This is about His blood, His sweat, his tears. This is my advertising for Jesus. People wear all kinds of hats and T-shirts of their favorite stuff. Every time I go to a Carpenters Union meeting, I get another T-shirt. I got about 100 T-shirts. <laughs> because they want us to advertise that we are professional carpenters. But we want to advertise for Jesus. And Jesus, the... the The disciples come as the woman's gone back to uh, town to tell everybody, because they've gone into town to get food. They come back and, uh, hey, uh, they don't ask him, but they're wondering, why is he talking to her? He's a Samaritan. She's an outcast. And uh, she's not like us. And, uh, hey, Jesus, you hungry? You want something to eat? And Jesus is so excited about evangelizing. I love to preach. I love to tell people about Jesus. And he's so excited about it, he says, you guys have no idea. I'm satisfied, he says. Basically, he's telling them, my food, in John chapter 4, verse 34, is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what satisfies me, he's telling them. He says, I'm not really hungry, because I'm excited, because this lady got saved. Now she went to tell everybody, and the whole town's coming out to hear. And then Jesus turns to disciples. He says, don't you say, in verse 35, there's still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, the old English word, behold. Check it out. Guys, look. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. I like the illustration of the uh, cotton fields out here, because they turn white. Hey, the fields are white for harvest. But Jesus is talking about soul, people. That's the unique treasure of all of the universe is the
1: souls of people. That's what Jesus is so interested in. In verse 36, the
0: One who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the
1: sower and the reaper may do what? Rejoice! Get happy. Woohoo! Get happy. And
0: the gospel, the good news. I'll never forget. Walking down the street, about 20 years old, minding my own business. Hey, guy stops me. Anybody ever tell you God loves you? Don't know anything about me. I'm vile. God doesn't love me. We were up at Whole Foods the other day, and God just impressed upon me to ask the cashier, anybody ever tell you God loves you? Yeah, I hear that all the time. I said, really? Yeah, I go to uh, such and such a church. Oh, do you know John and Amy? Yeah, they're my pastors. Oh, they're our neighbors. Oh, cool. Wow, praise God. God is good. Oh, this is encouraging. I obeyed God. God told me to speak to this young man. Tell him. And lo and behold, like a door's opened up. Hey cool. We're in the same, on the same team, so to speak. We're in the same family now. Wow. Just because I told them, God loves you. Praise God. We made a connection. Excuse me. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 3, it says these words, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as when Men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Got this picture in my head of uh, people coming in and, and 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 they find the treasure chest. It's, oh wow, look at this! Hey, this is pretty cool. And then, wow, look at this! And they get excited. That's that's the impression that I get. And I hope that's how what God puts in you when you tell somebody about Jesus. Just say God loves you. Well, how do you know? Because Jesus died on the cross for you. That's how we know. So quickly, Romans chapter 10. I'm almost running out of time, but I hope you don't mind if I go a little over.
1: Romans chapter 10. See if I can get this to work. Oh, I got to point it at that. Nope. 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 Maybe Pastor Wayne, the tech guy. Romans chapter 8. Chapter 10, verse 8 through 11. Remember that song, What Does the Fox Say?
0: I like this one. What does the Word say? Praise God, you must be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. What does the Word say? Jesus loves you. Praise God. What does it say? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. The Word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word which we preach. Caruso we preach. That is the word that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In God's economy, you're either saved or you're not saved. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. We'll put Christ on the right side and saved on the right side. You're either saved or you're not. And how do you know if you get saved? Because Romans chapter 10, verse 13, quoting Joel chapter 2, verse 32 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've called on the name of the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, God has given you his
1: righteousness simply because you believe. Praise God. What an awesome, such a bargain. God takes us when we're messed up and he gives us a new life. He gives us his life. He doesn't change our life and make it better.
0: He gives us his life. Jesus wants to express
1: himself through the Holy Spirit through us. He's given us that power. So,
0: Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And it's in quotes because it's a quote from the Old Testament. Joel chapter 2. In verse 11, he quotes Isaiah chapter 28. Wonderful chapter, Isaiah 28. Talks about people of stammering lips. I'll speak to these people. It talks about, in verse 16, I lay in Zion a cornerstone. Who is that, Leon Petillo, that used to sing that song? highly lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a sure cornerstone, a sure foundation, because the whole building gets built off of that cornerstone. It's perfect. And then it goes on to say, whoever falls on it will be crushed, but God raises people from the dead. We were dead in sins and trespasses before we received Jesus. Now we are alive again in Him. And so, we built our lives on Jesus. One of the oldest tools known to man is called the plumb bob. We don't use it too much anymore. We got lasers. But the plumb bob will always hang perfectly true. And like Pastor Wayne said last week, there's no such thing as my truth and your truth. Truth is truth by its nature. So all that perfect stone, every life is built up because God has His own measuring.
1: Glory to God. And <clears throat> we we'll end with chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. What does the Word say? Chapter 10,
0: 14 and 15.
1: How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed
0: and how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? Caruso. And how are they to preach Caruso unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach, evangelize the good news, gospel. The word gospel means good news. So,
1: just so you know, one of the goals of this little church is to grow and plant other churches
0: and send people out of this congregation. To other lands,
1: whether permanently or temporarily, God has got a plan, and that's power. You and I have been empowered. You and I have been given an assignment, so to speak,
0: but a privilege to tell other people about Jesus. It's really simple. Just tell somebody about Jesus. You can talk about God with people a lot. But when you mention Jesus, the atmosphere changes. People either believe or they don't. And when they do, glory to God, the Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over a hundred righteous people. And guess what? There are no righteous people.
1: (laughs) There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.